It's good to be with you this morning. Now, a lot of times this is the, <clears throat> the time that we'll take to do some family um, business to, um, to share things that are happening in our church family. And today we're going to do something a little bit different, so I'm going to need some help, some participation here. Um, we have a couple in our church um, who are about to celebrate their 65th wedding anniversary, Dorm and Ethel Beavers. But they're in Florida. <laughs> are you feeling bad for them? <laughs> They're in Florida, and so, but, but I heard they're going to be watching this morning, so this is what we're going to do. I want everybody to turn around, and I want everybody on the count of three to say happy anniversary to Dorm and Ethel. So one, two, three. Happy anniversary. Thank you for your help. It's a wonderful thing um, to share together as a family, and we just got through our series on matters of affection and, and living um, God's calling in our relationships. And what a great thing to be able to celebrate 65 years of marriage. Um, that, that's wonderful. Um, and, and so thank you for, for doing that with me. Dorm and Ethel, happy anniversary. Um, like I said, we're working through um, the Follow Me series now, um, learning from the rabbi. The idea of this series is that we want to become the disciples of Christ that we are called to be. And so we, I talked a little bit last week about the fact that, you know, we are the disciples we read in Scripture. They walked with Jesus every day. They learned from him. And it's a little different for us because we don't physically see Jesus walking with us. And I think sometimes we can separate our walk from the walk that the disciples have. But I don't think that's what God's plan is. I think God's plan is that we would be walking with Jesus every day, just as the disciples did. But it just looks a little bit different, and, and it, it takes a little bit of different focus. And so that's what we're talking about. Um, this week we had a, the boys, we have four boys. That's not one of them that Megan was holding over there. If you see Megan holding a baby, it's not number five. That's not happening, um, so don't spread rumors. Um, but, but, um, but, but the boys this week, they, they, how, how many of you have ever had kids that just had bad attitudes? <laughs> yeah, my, my kids are kind of spoiled. And Friday night, we, we said, we're going to go to a game night at somebody's house, and I mean, immediately, like, it doesn't even matter what we, we could say, we're going to go out to dinner. For me, growing up, like, if my parents said, we're going to go out to dinner, I jumped up and down for joy, but apparently we go out to eat too much because our kids say, oh, we want to stay home. No, not again. And, and so we said, we're going to go to this game night, and, and my kids just immediately start throwing fits. No, I don't want to have to leak. It's going to be no fun. I don't want to do that. It's, it's a game night. It's a game night. Like, it's meant to be fun. And, and so I say all that to say this, and, and this is just... This is kind of a prelude to the sermon. I don't have much time, so I shouldn't be taking so much time. But this is what we said to our kids the other night. This is what I say to my kids at least five times a day. Your attitude and, and your, the, the attitude of your heart is so important, not just on Friday night when you're going to a game night, but on Sunday morning when you come into the place of worship. And, and I know that sometimes the tendency is to let all the things that are going on around us take our attention away from what we're really here to do, but, but I promise you, if your attitude, if your desire, if your, we talked last week about seeking God's kingdom first, if your desire, when you come into the place of worship, is to connect and hear from God, I promise you, God is so good, and God will speak, and God will move, and so I say that to say, 
Get your heart in the right place. That's what we're talking about today. Get your heart in the right place. Turn to your neighbor and say, get your heart in the right place. Say, have a good attitude. All right, so here we go. Last week we talked kind of big picture. We, we looked at the Sermon on the Mount, part of the Sermon on the Mount, and we, talk, we talked about the scripture that says um, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot live completely for God the way you're called to and live to serve yourself or money or other things. You cannot serve two masters. And so last week, and we're going to talk about this again today, we, the, the, the idea of seek first God's kingdom, that God should be the number one desire of your heart, that the number one desire of your heart should be to honor God with everything you have. So that's last week. This week, we're going to talk about your heart because the key to this is your heart. And so if you read through the Gospels, uh, if the, the, the Gospels that talk about the story of Jesus and, and his teachings, you're going to hear the heart mentioned over and over again. And, and several times Jesus talks about the importance of the heart. And, and today we're going to read Luke chapter 6, verses 43 to 45. And what Jesus is really talking about is your heart and how that influences your life. And what, what happens in your life. And so let's read it together. Luke chapter 6 verses 43 to 45. It says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. But a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Listen to that again. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. But an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So we understand if we read God's word, if we read Jesus' teachings, we understand that our heart is important. Our heart should be tuned to God. We cannot serve two masters. Last week we, we heard the scripture that says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. In other words, the thing that you seek first is where, what your heart is going to be all about. Several times when talking about the religious people of the day, Jesus says that, that their, 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 heart, their actions are for me. They, they worship me with their lips. They say the right things, but their hearts are far from me. Your heart is important. If you're going to be the disciple that Jesus calls you to be, it starts with your heart. And so Jesus says, you will be known by the fruit that you produce. So he's, he's giving this metaphor, and the heart is the key to that. You will be known by the fruit that you produce. So I want us to talk about the, the fruit that we produce. This is absolutely true, by the way. You will be known by the fruit you produce. Think about this. When you go to a funeral, they don't get up and say, that person was a Christian. We're done. When people stand up and share, they don't say, oh yeah, he was a Christian. They don't say, oh yeah, he, he was the president of his company. Oh yeah, you know what, he drove a Porsche. That's not what people share, because that's not really what matters. 
The truth is the fruit that your life produces is what you will be known by. When people stand up at funerals, they don't talk about your status or your role or your job or your car. They talk about the impact that you have had on their lives. Think about it. You will be known by the fruit you produce. When, when you ask somebody about somebody else, they don't talk about status or role. They talk about the fruit they produce, good or bad. Oh, that person is, is great. They have really impacted my life. Or, or the opposite, you better watch out for that person. They wreck things. They cause trouble. We will be known by the fruit that we produce. Jesus says your heart is so important because your heart is what leads to the fruit that's produced in your life and you will be known, you will be recognized by your fruit. And so I want to ask you an important question this morning. I want you to ask yourself an important question this morning. I really want you to think about this. What is my life producing? Not, did I go to church last week? Not, am I involved in everything I need to be in? But what is your life, what are your actions, what is your heart producing? What effect is your faith, or lack thereof, having on the people around you? Because we will be known by our fruit the truth is our heart, our love, our, our actions, can, our, our heart can lead us to, to produce love. They can lead us to produce peace. They can, they can lead us to produce pain and division. There can be healing that comes from us. Or ultimately, the best thing, we can bring people to Jesus through our walk of faith. And so what is your heart producing? Turn to the person next to you and say, is it figs or thorns? Say it, is it figs or thorns? God's will for your life is that you would be producing the fruit of righteousness and love and God's kingdom. And so I want to ask you that question again. What is your life producing? And let me phrase it a different way. Do your actions bring people closer to God, closer to God's kingdom? Do your actions bring God's kingdom here on earth? Or do your actions and your words and your thoughts push people away from God and away from the kingdom? This is the most important question you can ask today. What fruit is your life producing? Because Jesus says it's all about worshiping God with our heart. And when we worship God with our heart, we will produce the fruit of the kingdom. And so, so the fruit is the result of our heart. You can't produce good fruit if your heart isn't right. And, and you're not going to produce bad fruit if your heart is in the right place, because it's all about your heart. Charles Stanley, I was listening to a message this week, he says, the condition of your heart determines the direction of your life. This is exactly what I said to my kids the other night. The, the attitude you have will have a direct impact on the fun that you have tonight. If you've got a bad attitude, if you're whining, you're going to be miserable, but if you have the right attitude, he's saying if your heart is in the right place, the condition of your heart 
determines the direction of your life. What Jesus is saying, it's not just the direction of your life. Jesus is saying your heart will determine the impact of your life. How many of you want to live your whole life and have no impact or have a negative impact on people around you? I didn't see many hands. How many of you want to live for God and want to have a great impact and you want people when they're with you to say, man, that, there's something about that person and they, they're just a person that brings love and peace. How many of you are that? Okay, how many of you are just like, whatever, I'm not raising my hand no matter what you say. I'll get you, okay. Um, here's the thing, you can fool people for a while. You can pretend to be Christian, you can, you can call yourself something that you're not, but ultimately, your heart is going to come out. Your heart will determine your fruit. I was thinking about this, we had a couple teens when I was a youth pastor in South Carolina, and a couple of the teen girls, they could not hide what they felt inside. They, they wore their, their emotions and their feelings on their face. How many of you know someone like that? And so if you, if you said something that, that they thought was ridiculous, they would make a face. They'd be like, they couldn't hide it. They, they couldn't fake their emotions. And, and I love that. I mean, it, it's so great to be around someone like that because you never have to wonder what they're thinking, right? But there, there's a movie that's about to come out, and it's all about being able to hear other people's thoughts. Have you ever thought about what would happen if other people could see or hear your thoughts? Am I the only one that thinks about that? Usually it's when I'm thinking something that I don't want people to know. But I've thought about that for like, before. Like, what if, what if people could read my thoughts on my forehead? That would be pretty scary, right? The truth of the matter is... You can fake, you can hide your heart, you can hide your true feelings for a while, but ultimately, your heart, your feelings, your attitude will result in the fruit that you produce. I, I had the, the blessing of growing up with a father who I can, I can never remember my dad saying something mean about somebody else, and I... That's a blessing and a curse because I grew up thinking, what's wrong with me? Why do I think these things? But, but you can't hide your inner thoughts. They will come out. And honestly, I, I mean, I'm just being up front with you. Sometimes my heart and my reactions probably aren't where they should be. There have been seasons of my life where my heart wasn't in the right place and I could get around a group of people and pretend to be something or think something or feel something that I'm not, but ultimately, what was in my heart would come out. Have you ever thought about if people could, could see what you're thinking, what you're feeling, Last week, we saw Jesus confront the people who pretended to be religious, but ultimately, their, the lack of real faith, the lack of love in their hearts came out. They, they were religious. They went to church, and they gave what they had to give, and they did all the right things, but their hearts weren't for God. And so the fruit that they produced was pain and bondage and difficulty. You can't hide What's in your heart? Don't be deceived. If your actions, if your words are not honoring God, then guess what? You got a heart problem. 
And, and if you got a heart problem, don't be deceived. Eventually, it's going to come out. Whether it's when you go under anesthesia and you say whatever it is you think. Have you ever been around someone like that? You can't hide it then. That's why I'm never going to have surgery. Like, just leave. No, I'm just kidding. Don't be deceived. What's in your heart will come out and will produce fruit. Or it'll produce thorns. Good news today. There may be some of you that would say, I'm there. My heart's not in the right place. I'm, I'm living with a bitterness. I'm living with a, a struggle. And it's because someone did something to me or because I had to go through something. And in all honesty, if people could see my feelings and my thoughts right now, I'd be in big trouble. And eventually, your heart will come out. But good news God's desire is not that your heart should stay in that place, but God's desire is that your heart should be honoring God and producing fruit of righteousness. And guess what? God can bring that change in your life. And so if you're here today and you're thinking, listen, my heart is just in a bad place, I've got good news for you. God wants to take your heart to a good place so that you can walk in a new direction so that your life can produce a new kind of fruit and you can honor God and build the kingdom because God created us for that. The truth is, my dad's not perfect. He's not Superman. He didn't grow up with just the perfect heart that, that never had problems. The truth is that my dad did everything he could to be in the center of God's will and God made a change in him so that he didn't hate people. And have problems with people. And what was in his heart, I really believe, is love for people. And, and I know I'm your pastor and I said I struggle. But I want you to know that God has been transforming my heart for a long time. And I'm learning. And I'm learning to love and to respond with love. I'm learning. I'm not perfect. I'm not there. I'm not, I'm not that guy who never says the wrong thing or never thinks the wrong thing. But God is working in my heart. And I want to have a heart that's pure. If the heart is what matters to God, and if God can change our heart, then we should focus our attention and our energy on the purity of our heart. Think about that. If heart is what really matters, and if, if God can change our heart, then we should focus most of our time and our energy on what? Our heart. It's March, right? And June and July are coming. And what happens in June and July? The weather gets nice. And, and we go on vacation and we go to the beach or we go to the pool. And, and, and most of us for the last few months have been thinking, if we're honest, we've been thinking, it's time to get my body in shape. It's time to start working out because summer's coming. <laughs> Most of us, maybe some of you students, you've got a test coming up, and you think, oh man, the big test's coming up, i got to get my mind right. And a lot of times, we think about what's coming, and we think about where we're at, and we think about what we've got to do to get ourselves to where we need to be. But listen to me today. Your tan, your body shape, your intellect, all, your status, your financial situation is not the most important thing you can sink your time and energy into today. The most important important thing is your heart. And so we need to sink all of our time and energy into having a pure heart because ultimately your heart is what will produce the fruit in your life and ultimately God's kingdom 
and your presence in it will be determined by your heart. And so we need to pour into our heart. It really is important. So the question today is this, how do we do that? How do I work on my heart? How do I get my heart right? How do I allow God to transform my heart? Psalm 119 is, is where we're going to spend some time today. Um, Psalm 119 is one of the longer psalms. And, and if you look at it, it's, they, they believe that it's written over the course of time by, this, by one person. And, and this psalm is all about the writer trying to honor God with their life and with their heart. And so I want you to read Psalm 119 this week, 119, Psalm 119. It's pretty long, but in a week you can get through it pretty easily. You could get through it in, you know, 10 minutes easily. But, but I want you to study this because if our heart is what matters, and if we want to be disciples of Christ, then we need to pour our time and our energy and our focus into having a pure heart. And so I'm going to read um, Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. This is just a piece of it, and I could, I could go through the whole thing, and we could be here for four hours. It's good stuff, but I'm, going to, I'm just going to look at this one part. There's four things in this one part that I believe will help us know how to tune our heart to God, to be pure of heart. And so we're going to read it together. Psalm 119, verse 9 says this. How can a young person stay on the path to purity? Listen, you're all young people for the sake of this scripture. You're all young. That's good news. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? What this is really talking about is the purity of heart. By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let, let, um, do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes, and as one rejoices in great riches, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And so this the, the writer of this psalm is saying, how can I have a pure heart? If my heart is what matters, if my heart is what will determine the direction and the outcome of my life, how can I make sure that my heart is tuned to God? And sometimes, I'm going to be honest, sometimes we read through the, I read through the psalms and it's easy to just blow by scriptures like this, but there is some really good, important teaching for us here. And so there's four things I want to look at. I want to look at how our hearts can be pure and righteous before God. And so four things you can do. Four things. Number one, seek with all my heart. In verse 10, it says, I will seek you with all my heart. We talked about last week, seek first the kingdom of God, but, but I will seek God with all my heart. When we really want something, we seek it with all our heart, don't we? If you're on social media, it's pretty easy to see what people care about and what they're seeking after. It's pretty easy to see what's important to people when you just are with them or you hear them talk. Because the truth is, we as a people seek with all our heart when we seek something. And, and the psalmist says, I'm going to seek God with all my heart. I want to ask you a question. What would it be like? 
And I'm not trying to be a, a negative towards the church or any of you, but, but what would it be like if the number one thing that we sought after day after day was God's glory and God's kingdom? What would that look like? I believe that that's our intent, isn't it? But I think some of us, when we walk away from church, like we come in Sunday morning and we're like, yeah, I'm all about God, I'm seeking God with everything, but then we walk away and all of a sudden we're seeking money or we're seeking uh, making sure our, our kids get scholarships to, to college or we're seeking, we're seeking our family being perfect or having everything we need and we're not really seeking after God with all our heart. Seek God with all your heart. Our number one priority should be to honor God with our lives. How would that change this church? How would that change your family if your first priority was God? How would that change our community? I, I'm going to say something that's pretty tough right now. But there are a lot of churches, there are a lot of churchgoers, there are a lot of Christians whose number one priority is not the kingdom of God. Their number one priority is themselves. And if the church's number one priority, if all of us and all the people in churches all around, if our number one priority was the kingdom of God, I promise that this world would change. I promise because God's power is stronger than any of the powers at work in the world that cause darkness. And if we will get our hearts right and seek God first, I promise that God will do amazing things. I've seen some of these amazing things happening, by the way. There are good things happening. But if we all got on the same page and we all put God first, man, we talk about revival in the church. You want to see a revival? Focus all your heart and all your attention on God, and I promise that revival will come. So seek first the kingdom. Seek God with all your heart. Number one, in order to do that, by the way, you may have to reorganize some stuff in your life. This, this is just a hard truth. There may be something in your life that's keeping you from seeking God with all your heart. You're divided. If you're going to seek God with all your heart... You may have to eliminate something that's a distraction. You may have to put something on the back burner that's been taking your attention away from God. Seek God with all your heart. Number two, you need to know God's word. In verse 11, it says, I have hidden your word in my, in my heart. I know your word. If we want to honor God, we have to know God. And, and guess what? The best way for us to know God is to know God's Word. We have the gift of Scripture that tells us who God is and what God's all about. And so if we want to live for God, guess what? We've got to know God. And we do that by knowing God's Word. And so, number one, seek God with all your heart. Number two, know God's Word. Know who God is. I'll never forget, I went to church camp. I've told this story before. I'm sorry for repeating it. Um, but, but I went to church camp. I think I was in seventh grade. And um, there was a kid that was brand new to the church, and he went to church camp. And, and I remember there were, some of my friends were picking on him. They, I, I don't know why they were doing it. My friends were good guys, but, but they were in the wrong place, and they were picking on this other kid. And, and I remember we were in the dorm room at the campground, and this kid who was in seventh grade was just sitting in his bunk crying. I mean, just crying. 
just defeated, just hurt. And, and I was mad at my friends, and, and listen, I, I'm, I didn't even know what I was doing, but I walked over there, and I climbed up his ladder, and, and I said, what's going on, man? And he said, I have no protection against those guys. And ultimately, I can't stop them from hurting me, and I can't stop them from picking on me, and what do I do? And me being a church kid that grew up in church, and I had no clue how to respond, but I, so I said the only thing I knew how to say. I said, why don't you read Scripture? Why don't you read God's Word? And honestly, I felt like the cheesy church kid that was giving the Bible answer. And I, and, and I, I said that, and I walked away, and I thought, man, that was, that, that was just silly. That's no way. And, and I went to bed, and I, I did tell my friends to cut it out, and, and they eventually did, but we all laid down and went to bed, and... And about two hours later, I'm laying in bed, probably thinking about how ridiculous I am. And this kid says, hey, Alex. And I said, what's up, man? And he said, Psalm 710, my shield is of God most high, who saves the upright in heart. Listen, if you will know God's word, God's word is protection for you. God's word will protect your heart. And even when people are picking on you and even when things go wrong, God's word will sustain you because God's power is in God's word and God's word will work in your life and protect you and give you direction and give you purpose. The truth is a lot of people look at, at the Bible, at scripture as something that's limiting or something that keeps me from doing what I want to do. But but the real truth is, God's word is there to guide you into God's kingdom, which is ultimately what you were created for. And so if you'll know the word and if you'll live by the word, you're going to experience life to the fullest. And so number one, seek God with all your heart. Number two, know God's word. And number three is similar to number two, but, but it's important. It's meditate on God's word. Verse 15 says, I meditate. I consider your, your ways and your word. The psalmist says, I think about your word. So we, we seek God with all our heart. We, we know God's word. We hide it in our hearts, but, but we also have to meditate on it. Because the truth is, you can know God's word. And then you can walk into a school or walk into work, and, and, and you can get out of sorts. But, but, Jesus, or, but the psalmist says, meditate on God's word. I've been in church my whole life. I can't ever remember not going to church. And I've read many scriptures over and over again, and I've heard sermon after sermon, and I've been in connection groups and Sunday school classes and Bible studies. And, and here's one of the cool things about God's Word. God's Word is alive. Did you know that? It's not just a book, it's alive. I can have read the same thing a hundred times, and I can study it today, and God can speak something brand new into my life. How many of you have had that happen, where God has spoke something new through something you've looked at hundreds of times? The truth of the matter is, God's Word is alive and it's active, and if we'll read His Word, if we'll meditate on His Word, it's, it's not just knowing the Word, it's meditating on it, it's continuing to read it, it's continuing to study, continuing to pray, because when we do that, we grow. And as we grow, we come, become more like Christ. Our hearts begin to produce good fruit. And so it's not just about knowing, it's about meditating and studying God's Word. Hebrews 4 says the Word of God is alive and active. 
God's word will continue to teach you if you will meditate on it. And, and, and growing in your faith and your relationship with Christ is the key to producing good fruit. So number one, seek God with everything you have with all your heart. Number two, know God's word. Number three, meditate on God's word. And number four, this is an important one, rejoice in God. Verse 14 says, I rejoice in following your statutes. And it says, as one rejoices in great riches. When was the last time you really rejoiced? I mean, when was the last time that, that you just, you rejoiced in your heart? You said, yes. When was the last time? I don't, this wasn't the last time I rejoiced, but when I was in like college and just out of college, I, you guys know this, I'm a huge Shaquille O'Neal fan. Um, he was a basketball player. Um, the greatest ever, by the way, but, um, but Shaquille O'Neal, I loved Shaquille O'Neal, and I would watch, I actually got the NBA uh, League Pass thing, and I watched every one of his games, and I remember those years in the early 2000s when he played with the Lakers, and, and I watched him, and I really, I, I hated all those other teams, and I just, I wanted Shaq to win, I wanted his team to win, and, and I remember one time I was watching the NBA Finals in my parents' house, and I, I had the chair, like, they had couches around the back of the house and their TV, but if you know my parents, like they never had a TV that was big enough for the room. And so I, I remember I was over there and, and I took a chair and I put it like five feet from the TV because I had to be right there. I had to be close. I had to see it. And, and I remember that game came down to a final shot and, and the Lakers hit the final shot to win the game. And you know what I did? I jumped up and I ran around the house. Yesterday, I was throwing the ball back and forth with Jack. We were practicing baseball, and he would put his hands, I'd say, put your hands out. He'd put them out, and I'd throw it, and, and it would land in his hands. He wouldn't really catch it, but it would land there, and then he would close his hands. And every time he did it, he would go, and he would throw it to me, and I'd catch it, and he'd go, when was the last time you really rejoiced? I'm not typically someone who gets up and runs around a house. I'm not typically someone who, who yells out, but... But, but what if we rejoiced in God the way we rejoice in a basketball game or when we accomplish something? What if the most important thing that we could rejoice over was our, our faith in God? This morning, Linda said that she was walking through the hallway and Eli walked by her. He told me it would make, make me cry and it didn't when you told me, but now it is. And Eli walked by her, Eli, our 10-year-old. And, uh, and they talked for just a little bit, and then Eli kept walking, and then he stopped, and he turned around, and he came back, and he said, I just got to give you a hug because I love you. I, I would rejoice if Eli hit a home run in baseball. It's not going to happen, but <laughs> I would rejoice if he got a scholarship. I would rejoice if he accomplished something great, but you know what? I'm rejoicing because that boy loves God. And my number one concern for my sons is not their scholarships. It's not the job they get. It's not any of that stuff. It's not what they make on their test. It's that they honor God with everything they have. What if we learn to rejoice in God and not in our accomplishments? What if we rejoiced in God's word and seeing the kingdom come? What if we rejoiced when, when, when we did something right? When temptation came to us and we said, no, I'm going to do the right way. What if that was what we rejoiced over? 
And we rejoiced over helping others and bringing peace and bringing hope to the situations around us. Seek God with all your heart. Know God's word. Meditate on God's word and learn to rejoice in God and his kingdom. Because ultimately, once again, I say this almost every week. Listen, what really matters is not the car you drive or your bank account or your job. What really matters is your relationship with God and God's kingdom coming to earth. Because the truth is the economy can tank tomorrow and all that can go away. But God's love and God's kingdom is eternal. And so learn to rejoice in what really matters, God's kingdom. Seek God with all your heart. Know God's word. Meditate on God's word and rejoice in God. As we close today, listen, your heart matters a lot. Your heart will determine the direction of your life and your heart will determine the impact of your life. Your heart will determine the fruit that you produce. And so as we come together on a Sunday morning, as we come together to sing and, and to hear God's word and to worship, the most important thing that you can do today is have your heart be in the right place. To have a pure heart that honors and worships and loves God. Seek God with all your heart. And so I, there's a couple different kinds of people in here today. And, and the band can come on up. We're going to sing a song in a second. But there's a couple different kinds of people here today. Number one, there's some of you that would say, my heart is in the right place, and I want that, and I'm rejoicing about the right things, and I, I want to see God's kingdom come, and that's where my heart is. If that's you, that's great. But I want you to commit today to continue to give your heart to God because the truth is I've known a lot of people who had their heart in the right place and then all of a sudden something happened and they got way off track and the fruit they produced was not honoring God. So some of you may say, my heart's there, but I, I want you to commit your heart to God today. Some of you here today would say, I've been living with bitterness. I've been struggling. I've been hurting. Someone did something to me. I had this happen in my life and I, I'm just not in a good place. I want you to know that God's desire for each and every one of our hearts is that we would have peace, we would have love, that we would produce the fruit of God's kingdom. And so as we sing this song, the song says, here's my heart, Lord. I want you to offer your heart. I want you to really pray with me, God. Tune my heart to you. Help my heart to produce the fruit of your kingdom. I want revival, Lord. I, I want my life to lead to others knowing you. I want my life to lead to love, to peace, to kindness. And so as we sing this song, I would just ask you to offer your heart to God today. I don't care where you're at, how long you've been in the church, how perfect you are. Offer your heart to God today. Father, speak to us. We give our hearts to you in this time. 